Welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Hi, it's me, Kenneth Dean, joined by my co-host, Chris Kay. I want to welcome everyone back to Debating Metal. I know we've been gone for a month or so, and it's great to be back doing what we love to do, which is talk hard rock and heavy metal. Um, just to give you a background as to why we kind of took some time off, after we recorded the ACDC Greatest Hits episode, both Chris and I came down with COVID, and it knocked us off our feet for several weeks. We were in no shape whatsoever to do the shows. Um, my voice was shot. I know, Chris, uh, I think your voice was shot, and you don't even remember half of it. Yeah, I, I, I was in pretty bad shape, to be honest. Um, it was about two weeks of, of uh, life that I don't remember. I spent most of it in bed, and uh, I'm just glad to be you know, getting back into the swing of things, feeling better, uh, finally getting to the point where, you know, I have full breath, et cetera. So it, it definitely is good to be, uh, you know, getting healthy again. Um, so this week, what we're going to do to kind of get back into the swing of things, we're going to do something we've uh, done several times before. Uh, but uh, this one's one of my favorite uh, singers of all time. We're going to do Bruce Dickinson, Accident of Birth versus The Chemical Wedding. And so we're going to review all the tracks from both albums. We're going to offer our dislikes and likes. And then at the end, we're going to determine which album we think is better. Uh, and we're also going to have some more rusty metal. And Chris is going to have another freshly forged pick for us. And definitely stick around to the end of the episode to hear what our big four Bruce Dickinson solo songs are. And don't forget to check out the last episode uh, that we actually recorded on the day that I got sick, <laughs> which was big four ACDC albums. So if you missed any of our previous episodes, click subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and get our latest episode every Friday. We also want to interact with you guys and read your opinions. So if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or DM us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'll also be soon uploading our episodes to YouTube. And while you're on our social media pages, be sure to check out Kenneth Dean with Rusty Metal Plus, where he gives you more details about his Rusty Metal pick. So Kenneth... What is Rusty Metal this week? All right. So before I go into Rusty Metal, I want to let everybody know I owe everyone out there in social media land several Rusty or Rusty Metal Plus videos. Uh, but again, because we were down and out, I couldn't record them because I was in no visual shape whatsoever to record these videos. So I'll be having <laughs> I'll be posting a bunch of them back to back to back to back to back. As I think that's how many I owe um, to let to give everyone uh, to catch everybody up on these rusty metal picks. Um, this week, rusty metal is um, I think some people who like '80s metal is going to remember this band. Um, the band's name is Keel. 
Uh, the album is The Right to Rock. It came out in 1985 on Gold Mountain Records, which is distributed by AM Records. And the album was produced by Gene Simmons of Kiss fame. And it was recorded at the record plant in Los Angeles, California, and Media Sound Studios in New York City. All right, so the album contains the uh, the title track the right to rock that was the big song off the album that was the one that had the video that's the one that that was basically this huge anthem in 1985 for heavy metal as it was known at that time and that song was pretty cool i mean the video i mean it's 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 80s it's glam metal and and but at the same time it wasn't you know like uh poison type glam metal but it was close <laughs> And uh, not they didn't you know Keel didn't re- wear a lot of makeup and stuff like that. They had the kind of the hard rock look down, but you know they had a little bit of the big hair and some of the guys in the band. The song uh, is really really cool song. I mean, it's, in 1985, between that song, the right to rock, and the song from Lizzie Borden, American Metal, those two songs were these big anthems, and they were really really cool. And I played them on my boombox all the time, so. I really enjoyed that song. The rest of the album, though, um, contains uh, a cover of the Rolling Stones song, Let's Spend the Night Together. And there was also two other songs that were record- that were re-recorded from their first album, Laid Down the Law, which was Speed Demon and You're the Victim, I'm the Crime. That song, they actually changed the title. Originally, it was called um, Tonight You're Mine, but they changed the title to you're the victim, I'm the crime. The lyrics are identical. Nothing's changed. They just re-recorded the song because they went into the studio with only three songs. The um, The record company said, hey, you guys got to get back into the studio. We need an album. You know, we signed you and we want to get something out of it. And the band was like, uh, we only got three songs. So they ended up re-recording three songs from their first album and they actually got some other songs from Gene Simmons. He kind of gave them or lent them or or said, here, you can cover these. These are my songs. And they recorded those songs to, to, to round out the album. Um, in my opinion, this album suffers from generic anthemic songs, except for the title track and the Stones cover, which those two songs are really, really, really good versions uh, you know, of the, of the Stones song, and, and obviously the Right to Rock is their song. Those songs are really, really good. The rest of the album is kind of, generic glam metal kind of stuff if, if you want to put it that way but still comes across real well I, I i'm not a big fan of the gene simmons songs they they just sound like bad kiss songs i guess you could say that's my that probably <laughs> might be why kiss doesn't use them or didn't use them but anyway uh if you can get the album i mean i think it's still available out there somewhere um so if you can get the album check it out listen to it if you like 80s metal or 80s glam metal you're gonna like this album um I'm a little bit more critical, so that's why I kind of put it this way. But I think the the average user is going to go ahead or the average listener is going to really like the album and think it's a very good album. So if you get a chance to pick it up, check it out, listen to it, and enjoy. What do you got for Freshly Forged? Well, before that, I, I just wanted to say I, I remember listening to Eddie Trunk uh, talk about Keel at one point because a, a caller – called in and asked about uh you know what happened to him um 
you know, said they were a huge band, and they, it was so funny to me because there was there was an argument between Eddie and the and the caller about how big of a band Kill was. They weren't that big. And, <laughs> yeah, they weren't that big. But the guy, in his mind, I guess because he was a fan and he had you know lived where they you know they came from, etc. Like in his mind, they were such a big band, and that that is kind of a interesting thing. Like we have these this music, you know, each of us that we love. That may not necessarily be the biggest stuff out there, but it means something to us. Um, but you have to think about the perspective of the world. Like they weren't they weren't that big a band, right? I mean, but, if you think about it, um, I mean, like like I, I mentioned, Lizzie Borden and and Keo, those two songs were around at the same, uh, relatively around the same time, uh, nineteen eighty five, mm-hmm. and those two songs. I mean, the Right to Rock was on MTV, but not that it was playing every hour, but it was on MTV. The the song American Metal, I don't I don't think they made a video for, so I don't think it was on MTV. But I picked up on it because local metal radio was picking up on it. So I heard those songs and I picked up the album and I said, This is good. Yeah. You know, listening to both I mean, these are awesome. And for me, they were huge. But in reality, I know the bands weren't that big. But it's it's funny to hear someone say, "Oh yeah, they were huge." No, no, they weren't. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because I knew the band, but I didn't. I, I like I had heard of them, but I didn't know how to spell it. So I was having trouble actually looking them up online. I was like, "How do you spell this?" Like, you know, it was really it was a funny it was a funny day because I was just I was just listening to a bunch of Eddie Trunk podcasts and you know going over these obscure bands and stuff like that. It was it was it was pretty entertaining. That's pretty funny. All right, so Freshly Forged this week, I picked one that's somewhat heartbreaking to me because, uh, as we all know, uh, recently Alexi Lyo passed away. Um, he had formed a new band after the dissolution of Children of Bottom, uh, but they released a new track, uh, Bottom After Midnight, Paint the Sky with Blood, uh, on Napalm Records. Um, the, the single is not out as of yet, um, however, you can find the video online. Uh, they released it as kind of a teaser for the for the uh, EP, the only EP that there's going to be. And uh, man, it is killer. And that's why it's so heartbreaking because to hear Alexi kind of return to his roots. This is this is the stuff that was on. Uh, uh, Are you dead yet? Um, it even has moments that sound like hate crew death roll. It's, and it's so early bottom. I mean, it's so good. There's, there's, it harkens back to kind of all those different times. Like you kind of hear elements from, uh, follow the reaper even. And, and so it's, it's just so good. And you can tell that, uh, that Alexi just has this chemistry with Daniel Freiberg, who was the guitarist that came on towards the end of their, their run as children of bottom, uh, replacing Rube Lotvilla. And, uh, what, what's so great about it is there's something on the video that it just shocked myself. And it shocked my friend George, uh, while we were watching it together. Um, he actually lets Daniel solo on the song and it's really good. And, the, and it sounds great together. It's almost like in early bottom, you would hear uh, Alexi and uh, Yana, who was the keyboardist, kind of playing off of each other. Well, th- it, it almost transferred over to uh, to Daniel instead, 
so it was guitars playing off of each other, uh, go, kind of going back and forth and soloing. And I, there was so much potential here, and it's it's really heartbreaking to know that it's nothing more is going to come of it. Um, but at the same time, it's really nice to at least have something, uh, knowing that you know Alexi went out on a high note. So definitely check it out. Definitely pick up the EP when you you know when it comes out and and uh, you know give it a listen. And it is a really nice cap on the end of his career. I noticed the same thing you're talking about when it with with the guitar solo. And and I'm not a bottom fan to sit there and say, oh, this has never happened before. So uh, just to 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 be able to notice that right away was kind of interesting because. Uh, I the first thing I thought to myself was, isn't Alexi the lead guitar player, and and he's not he the one that kind of shows off his skills and does all that stuff all the time, and then this guy just throws in that ripping solo on there, mm-hmm. and I you could just see Alexi just playing the riffs to the song, and I'm like, this is cool, and it kind of blended the, the, the two of them kind of. Uh, like Alexi, didn't he do a solo first and then kind of? Yeah, he solos and then Daniel does. Right, and, and it, that was that was kind of what shocked us. It was like, yeah, you expect Alexi to, to solo, right? And but it, you don't expect him to let anybody else solo. Exactly. So it was it was funny because I'm watching it and I see him soloing in Alexi, right? and then you can see him kind of his hand just kind of slowly goes up the the neck, and then the next thing you hear, you hear a bunch of of uh, you know high pitched notes and a, a guitar solo playing, and then it's like. Where's that kind of coming from? And they they kind of cut to Daniel. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the the video is really nice too. Yeah, like it, it's it's simplistic in what it is, but it like the the way they made the cuts, it it was really nice. Like I just really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, man, I I I was very happy to hear it was it was like classic Bodum. That's but that's awesome. It's sad at the same time. Yeah, no, it's extremely sad. At least we'll get we'll get to listen what two more songs. I think one's a cover, mm-hmm. and one's then, a cover, yeah, and then uh, another song. So that, maybe both are a cover. I, I I really can't remember off the top of my head. I wish I did, but um, I mean, at least having this one original song is pretty awesome. Right. Exactly. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to lead us into our main topic for the evening. It is Bruce Dickinson accident of birth versus the chemical wedding. All right, kind of give a quick overview of Accident of Birth, real quick. Uh, Released in 1997, produced by Roy Z, recorded at Silver Cloud Recording in Redondo Beach and Sound City Studios in Los Angeles. It was released on CMC International in the United States, and all songs were written by Bruce and Roy Z, except where otherwise noted, which we'll mention that as we go through the songs. All right, the album starts off with a song called Freak. And I, I, I got to say, as soon as you hear it, you can tell it's down-tuned, which is the style of the mid-90s. And as soon as you hear that and the song goes into it, its, its you know, main verse and all that stuff, it's the first thing you think to yourself is, Bruce is back. This is metal. This is not necessarily... You know, you're not saying to yourself, this is Iron Maiden, but you're getting Metal Bruce as opposed to Skunk Works Bruce. And, oh, yeah. and so anybody who's a fan of Bruce at this time and puts this on, um, if he hasn't looked at the, the liner notes, he doesn't know the surprise that awaits him or the fan doesn't know that the surprise that awaits them. First, it's just a killer song to start off with. And then when you look at the liner notes and realize, 
holy shit, Adrian Smith is playing. Then you kind of get an even bigger smile on your face because the the, the thing the first thing you think of is they're going to get back together. They're going to get back together. <laughs> but you know, it would be another two years before that would happen. But that's the first thing you think of, and you say, "Oh, this is just going to lead straight into a reunion." But the song is awesome. Freak is a really cool song. Uh, it's got a real melodic chorus. Um, I like the way they added a pre-chorus right before or right after the second verse, before the second chorus. They didn't have it in the first verse uh, or coming out of the first verse. So that's really cool. So the way they just added something into the song. There's a lot of cool stuff in these two albums that we're going to talk about. And this is the first song that leads everything off. And it's really, really cool. What are your What's your opinion on the song? So one thing that really stood out to me was the the bass groove that uh, it's so different than what you would hear with Iron Maiden. Obviously, you know it's it you know you always get the gallop with with Iron Maiden. This is a groove, um, but there's so many elements that stand out that still feel very much like Iron Maiden. So it's it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's not exactly Iron Maiden. It's not it's not Bruce just saying you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own Iron Maiden. He's he's doing his own thing, and he does it so well. You know that that's what that's what stands out to me about these albums. I you know I went to see the Eagles years ago, and I thought one thing that was really cool about the Eagles is all those guys have their own solo careers. And they've they've all been successful in their solo careers, right? You know, the Don Henley and Glenn Fry and Joe and, Walsh. Uh, Joe Walsh. They all had very successful solo careers. Mm-hmm. And what they did was, when you went to see them as a whole, they all brought their songs into the the concert. Like there would be Don Henley songs, there would be Glenn Fry songs, Joe Walsh songs, etc. And I thought that was awesome that these guys had had you know, probably enough ego to all say, I want to play my song. And, 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 you know, everyone has said, well, if you're going to play yours, I want to play mine. Uh, But that's, but that's fine. They all still found a way to coexist and enjoy that. And I would love to hear these live again, because there's some really amazing bangers on these albums. Um, But that being said, uh, they still exist in the form that they are. You can get them as a CD or, or uh, you can get them, you know, obviously digital online. Um, but this is exactly what you said. It's, a, it's an amazing start, and it's metal. That's the big thing. Like, after, after the disappointment of the previous two albums, I mean, Balsta uh, Picasso has a couple good tracks on it, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. Tattooed Millionaire same it's like one or two that you know and 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 i can appreciate bruce trying to do something different skunk works i won't even listen to because it's just (laughs) just not my thing um and then i'm not i mean i'm not gonna rip on it too hard because i know bruce was trying to do something different um but at the same time it's just i don't enjoy it whatsoever uh but this this is an awesome return to form Yes, it it absolutely is, and and to kind of go along with what you were saying, um, there are for me I didn't pick it out on this song, but I picked it up on during a couple songs in Chemical Wedding, the Iron Maiden parts that that he kind of just throws in there from time to time, just things that make it seem like it's Maiden esque. Um, yes, I definitely have some notes on that as well. Right, and yes, it, I was going to say this at the end, but. Eddie Casillas is the bass player for both albums. Actually, the band is exactly the same on both albums, which is really cool. It's a great comparison. And Eddie, Eddie Casillas 
plays some badass bass. And if he's the one who created the bass lines, then he's super badass. If it's just Roy Z, we already know he's a badass. So that makes it just that much better. But um, Eddie, I mean, his playing is really is great throughout the album. And it's recorded so well. Both albums are recorded so well because everything, you can, you can hear everything instrumentation-wise, just clear as day. The bass just cuts right through. You know, the drums are there, you know, clear and, and very precise. Of course, the guitar sound great, you know, and Bruce's vocal. I mean, everything's mixed really well, and it's recorded really well. So that that's, makes it even better. So you hear that bass, especially what you were talking about, that groove that Eddie lays down on all these songs. It's awesome. It's awesome. And, and like I said, most, much to his credit... Uh, he's not just trying to be a duplicate of Steve Harris. No, not at all. Yeah, that's 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 you know kudos to him that he's not trying to be you know that they're not trying to be another Iron Maiden. They're be, they're themselves. Exactly. So, all right. So the the next song is a, is a Toltec Seven, which is just an interlude that goes into uh, the next song, which is Star Children. Um, Star Children uh, slower than the opener. Um, still cool in a way um bruce can make any chorus sound cool um it's a it's just it's not my kind of song i I, i'm not it's not one of my favorites on the album but it's still a a cool song for you know for what it is um it did slow things down which is fine there's nothing wrong with that um but it, it it's it wasn't my favorite track on the album that's for sure what I really like about the track, though, is that uh, that Bruce really showcases his vibrato. So, he, you know, we all know he can sing and sustain and, and everything, but but he does have a really good vibrato. And that, that chorus of Star Children where he, he, he holds it out and also adds the vibrato at the end is really impressive. And, and I think that's one thing that I really like about these albums in particular you know, after he left Maiden, he had he had more control in a way, and I think experimented a bit more. And and especially on this album, there's a lot of experimentation, and and, and it's all good. And that that's when you say experimentation, that can be scary, you know. But uh, but uh, there's a lot of really positive uh, experimentation here, and and so that's what's really great about this song. And also the guitar solo is really dissonant. And it has a very cool vibe about it. So definitely check out the guitar solo on that, that song because it is really cool. And, uh, and kind of like, I think it's one of the highlights of the songs. All right. So the next song is Taking the Queen. Now, this song I like. This song is carried by a killer bass line. Um, it's a slow, quiet song until it hits the chorus. And then he turns on the grit in his voice and sings a little bit louder. Um it, it's it's the bass line just cuts through and that, that's a that's the one thing I took away from the song that it's got such a killer bass line and and, and Bruce singing over it because it, essentially what happened is that Roy and Adrian pulled back they didn't they didn't really do a lot of riffing you know to, to overtake the song but they, they let the bass line cut through and I, I really like that about this song um, it's it's I mean it's a cool song uh, and it, the solo is 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 cool. I mean, it's a lot of cool things about this song that I like a lot. So what's you, what it's do you a, got on it? I mean, it's a slow burner. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those that takes a little bit to get where it's going. Um, but that's not a, 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 to its discredit. You know, it's 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 just one of those that you stick with, and it's building and building and building, and really hits that crescendo towards the end. And uh, it, you know, it's picking up the pace again from where Star Children left off. So I mean, it it, it does slow things down from there, but it also is building up towards what we're going to hear in the next couple tracks. Exactly, and that brings us to Dark Side of Aquarius, which has a quiet intro, which leads into this really killer chugging riff. I mean, that's it's a cool chug on that song, and it's a gallop. It's an Iron Maiden gallop. Then that this is the first one that we're hearing, right? Which exactly. is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and so then you know, it's of course you know, it's another catchy chorus. It's a catchy got a catchy pre-chorus and chorus. Um, really, really good guitar solo, and then. The, so, the song slows down to the same melody that, that introed the song. And then this time, Bruce sings a little bit over it. And then, you know, during that, as that slow interlude kind of starts to go out, it blends into a completely different riff and then goes into another verse using, using that different riff. And then it goes into a chant and the song outros you know, with that chant and that different riff. So it's, it's almost like two different songs. You know, it kind of, it leads with that, that little quiet intro, goes into this same quiet intro, which to me would be like the beginning and the end, but then it changes into another riff, a chant. And so it's really cool how the song is structured. Bruce did that a lot. Him and Roy Z did a lot of cool song structuring throughout the two albums. And, I, and that's another thing that I really give kudos to both of them for. Yeah, I mean, I would say this was the probably the most Iron Maiden esque sound or song on this album because it has that kind of staccato bass rather than the the groovy bass that's on a lot of the other songs. Um, the solo is just killer. I mean, I I really like the solo on this song, and it's it's just one of those tracks that reminds you, like, yeah, you're listening to Star Children, you're listening to Take the Queen, they're cool songs, but like this is reminding you, like, hey. This is Bruce playing metal again. Yeah, man, that, that, that's just the biggest takeaway from this album. It's just like, man, the dude is back. I mean, he kicked, he just basically wiped out his those first three or four solo albums and said, this is Bruce. So I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Next song, Road to Hell. Hands down, my favorite song on the album. I love this song. Oh, yeah. Actually, same here. It's, it's one of those that uh, really just... Uh, it's so catchy. It's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's written by Bruce and Adrian, which, you know, as, as soon as you know that, you realize these guys got such a good chemistry together. I mean, they, they, they show it on everything that they've done together in Maiden, and they show it again here. I love the melody of the verses. I love the pre-chorus. I love the chorus. The guitar solo has got this great melody to it. And my guess is that it's mostly Adrian on that guitar solo, but it could, you know, there could be some elements of Roy in there, but it's such a good song. I, I love this song. Yeah. To, it's definitely the better of the two songs written by Adrian Smith. Um, it, it, by far, because honestly, it's like, like both of us said, it's the best song on the album. Um, it's really melodic. It's, uh, it, it it's another one of those that kind of gives, glimpses of iron maiden again but not so like not over the head you know just just that chemistry uh between uh adrian and and uh bruce as you said it's it's back you know it, it the one thing about this album that 
that I noticed what you know when listening to it more closely it's it's trying to find its way in a way you know like there there's there's some some aspects of it like like I said with the experimentation with with uh you know the the reestablishing of the chemistry and because it's the first one with this lineup I think there is a little bit of of you know they're trying to establish themselves as a band but on the plus side everybody here is a, is a, is already a pre-established musician but anytime a band first gets together it takes a little feeling out to get there um but they still made a a, a top tier killer album i totally agree with what you're saying when it comes to the chemistry and in, in the band feeling each other out um the other element is that you're bringing in Adrian Smith into this band that already kind of knew each other. I mean, David uh, Ingram, the drummer, Eddie Casillas, the bass player, and Roy Z, they all knew each other already, and obviously Bruce knows them. You know, but they're, you're bringing in Adrian, and especially someone as established as Adrian, you kind of, you know, at first there's that, that uh, oh, I'm in the presence of Adrian Smith, and then the next is, I'm in the presence of Adrian Smith. You know, so it's, it's kind of like that give and take. And two guitar players as good as Roy Z and Adrian kind of have to feel each other out. So yeah, so there's a lot that has to go on in terms of chemistry, but I think they found their way. They found their groove in there and they put together some good songs, but I could, I definitely agree with you. You can, you can sense that it's not necessarily a completely cohesive album in that regards, mm-hmm. but the, yeah. cause there's a lot, you know, the, the, with the songwriting, there's a lot of things going on, but yet it's still, as a whole, it still sounds great, but you get—I I get what you're saying. You can—you can sense that there's—it's not completely cohesive, but things change later on. So that's the cool thing. Yeah, I think that's probably more obvious in the next few tracks that we're going to hear. To be honest, right. So the next song after "Road to Hell" is "Man of Sorrows." Um, <clears throat> that's this is the the big ballad of the album. This is the kind of song that the record company wants to kind of get out of your artist so that they could try and, you know, get a, a, a song on the radio if possible. Um, Bruce wrote the song all on his own. Um, there, to me, there's a lot of deep meaning for this song. It, it, there's a sense to me when I listen to it that it's almost very personal to Bruce. Uh, that may or may not be the case, but that's the sense that I get. Um, it's a, It's a... It's it, it's not a to me it's not a great great song, you know it, it almost in a way feels forced, but at the same time because you know it's so personal you, you or, or you think it's so personal or I think it's so personal that you can feel that Bruce did it because he wanted to, not that he's forced but in a way there's I, I don't know there's 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 that kind of balance it seems like it's forced but if you kind of get deeper into the song you you may think it may or may not be so it's kind of weird how i feel about the song um Hmm. again it's okay for me it's not the it's not the greatest ballad in the world but it's it's a decent song i i mean i like the song i don't i don't think it's in even close to my top 10 but i i i do really like the song and it's sung very well um there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of uh you know that that build up over over the course of the song one thing i have to note here is that to me there's there's this like blue oyster cult vibe to it that always hits me because I, I you know I grew up listening to Blue Oyster Cult. Um, they're not necessarily one of my favorite bands, but but I like a lot of their songs and there's something about it that really reminds me of them. Um, 
the big thing on this uh, this song that I really like is Adrian's guitar solo. It's really good. Uh, so even if you're not a huge fan of the song, like I think that guitar solo sticks out as one of the best on the album. Fair um, enough. And then, yeah, it just it's you know it's a it's a good uh, you know track here in this album, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily have the same vibe as as the rest of the songs. I think it fits in well enough, but it also could have easily fit on on say Ballstick Picasso. So it's it's kind of a an odd track out in the album, but it's not not a bad one. I think it's a good enough song that it it could really fit in wherever it wants. And and it, it, I don't know how much of an international success this was, but I do know he sang this in Spanish. And I it's not on the on the 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 reissue but i i almost recall at the time this getting uh some sort of um i don't know if it was italian or french version or something like that but it's it's a it was definitely a song that they tried to get a lot of international success with in europe so Mm. um again here in the states you know bruce at that time was you know was small was was you know small time and so here in here in the states, it was it was that song was relatively relatively insignificant, but I do know in Europe, I think it was a hit, and it was a big hit. So, um, but I don't know the details because that was out in Europe. Anyway, the next song, the title track, "Accident of Birth." What a heavy riff! What a killer chorus! I love the chorus on this song. It is just. You know the the whole welcome home part. I mean, it's just oh my god, is this a killer chorus? And the riff is just so heavy. You know, this is a really really good song. I like this song a lot. But uh, yeah, it's it's a killer title track. I love the way it starts off. It's like kind of metallic sounding vocals at the very beginning, which is is another one of those because this was the first solo that was, that was released. Not solo. Sorry, this was the first single that was released, and because of that it's it's kind of like a you know here's this metallic voice you know metal you know it's sprinkling it into it and then it punches you in the face with metal and that and it's like okay bruce is freaking back oh, you know yes i mean and I, I i can't say but i i have to think that that was completely intentional <laughs> this is such a killer song i love this song um and then the next song after that is the magician uh, again, a, a cool, chuggy, you know, galloping kind of song like you were talking about. Um, the riff in between the verses is really cool. Um, the chorus is extremely catchy, uh, and it sounds like it's a, it's a Adrian solo to me. I mean, this is a really, uh, I'm not big on the, I don't know, it's weird. I'm not big on the song overall for whatever reason. It, to me, it almost seems a little generic, but there's there's enough in it that 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 can that can change your mind because there's a catchy chorus and the really cool riff, um, but I don't know. There's something about it just says it's it's a uh, I, I don't know. It, it there's something about it that does not completely grab me and take me in. Although I know it's a good song, it's kind of weird. But uh, uh, for me, it's it's just kind of all right. Like it's it's not a bad song. 
What I the only thing that I really like about it is the solo. It's like thirty seconds of just shredding, <laughs> and and I I really like it. But overall, I, I mean, it's not a bad song. It's not a good song. It's just it's you know it's a song. It's kind of the filler. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the filler song on the album, or one of them at least. Yeah, one of them. All right. So the next song after that is "Welcome to the Pit." And that's the other Bruce and Adrian song that's on the album. Um, this is a slow plotting song. Uh, again, to me, there's nothing special about the song. The solo is kind of cool on it, though. Um, Adrian plays some wah-wah on it, and that's that's a, like a signature part of, of Adrian's playing. Um, not as signature as, say, uh, Slash or Kirk Hammett, but it, you do know if, if you are an Iron Maiden fan, there's a lot of wah-wah in Adrian's playing from time to time. So um, there's definitely um, an Adrian vibe to it. Um, but again, it's a slow plotting song, so it's not necessarily the, the greatest song in the world, um, but it's it's pretty cool. You know, I said that it kind of surprised me that this was an Adrian track because, yeah, it does have the wah-wah aspect to it, and it does have these little hints that say this is Adrian. But at the same time, it's it's really sludgy, like it's it's a sludgy track, mm-hmm. and exactly. and in that in that regard, like it it, had, it does have a cool chorus, uh, you know, it's all right. It but it if it's gonna fit anywhere on this album, it it belongs exactly right here, like right towards the end, right? Because it's it's one of those ones that if if you're listening to the album the whole way through, you you're hitting the best ones early on, and the, we're, now we're getting to the kind of you know, I like the next two tracks a lot better than these last two ones. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so being there, uh, Omega is the next track. Now this song. Okay, so let me let me let me read what I wrote. It's another ballad, or so we think. It starts off ballad esque, and then it turns almost from a power ballad. It, it turn it, it actually it turns almost power ballad in the chorus. And the solo is very melodic. And then it gives way to this up-tempo harmony solo. Um, I mean, the the solo is just completely up-tempo. It's shredding. It's moving along. It's kicking. It's very Maiden-like in the tempo change. And the the funny thing about it is if you think about the way Maiden is now and, and the fact that in the 90s, Iron Maiden was becoming more and more progressive. This is a kind of semi-progressive type song because of the way it's handled uh, and, and the way that they go from this slow plotting song that builds up with this hard chorus and then it just goes into this shredding guitar solo, which is at another tempo, what's you know completely different than the rest of the song. That's very Maiden-esque and is very Maiden now. I mean, there's Maiden does, has done that before in the past, but the... But that is just Maiden style now. Slow intro, boom! It comes into a bigger song. It changes tempos and it goes back slow. Very, very similar to Maiden. So mm-hmm. it's it's strange because I think I think that kind this kind of song almost lent itself to Bruce kind of understanding where Steve Harris was, and 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 the melding of the minds that would come a couple years later, because you know Bruce was kind of against some of the, the things that Maiden was doing in their last two albums, you know, bef- that Bruce recorded with, before he left, with, yeah, yeah, with, with, uh, with Maiden. And then it almost seems like they were on the same page when they got back together because they, they, they were all just kind of like, 
yeah, this is the way we want to be from now on. And this kind of this kind of song, in hindsight, kind of says, oh yeah, look, they were they were about they were starting to do this kind of stuff, or Bruce was starting to write this kind of stuff at that time. So it kind of yeah, they were kind of they were kind of crossing over the same bridges at the same time, uh, but separately. Right. Exactly. So what do you um, what do you think of the song? It's a it's a pretty melancholy kind of feeling song. It has some really heavy bluesy elements. Like it's it's just very bluesy. Um, Bruce has a very powerful voice. He always has a powerful voice. But I think sometimes on on certain songs, it's just more um, in the forefront than others. Obviously. Uh, and this is one of those tracks where it's it's really reliant on on his voice, and uh, I think it's it's got an awesome solo kind of that bridges into a speedier section towards the end. Like it just it just has this really cool upbeat section. I think in the last uh, third quarter of the of the track, and then it kind of goes back into the melancholy riff, but but even more like grandiose with his voice towards the end. It's, it's a really interesting, like when I say experimental, these, th- this track and the next one are the ones that I'm really thinking about. And there's, there's, like we said, there's multiple elements of, of them experimenting throughout the album before, but these two tracks, there's really just something special about them. And I think they're probably very overlooked because of their placement on the album. Um, but, but I, I definitely say, listen to this one and listen to the next track. You, you, you mentioned something about the placement on the album. <clears throat> I think these two songs are placed exactly where they need to be because I don't see, I, I, I can't see these two songs being anywhere else on the album. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I just, what I meant by their placement on the album is that that's, it's, it's kind of standard fare. Like when, when a band is really getting, experimental or they have a really long track or something like that it's thrown at the end and most people are going to listen for the big hits they're not going to they're not going to just go and deep dive into the full album the biggest fans are going to right you know guys like us we're going to listen to the the whole album really get a feel for everything um so I think, it, unfortunately, what happens with tracks like this and these and the long tracks, the epic tracks that, you know, sometimes they just get overlooked. But I think these are definitely worth a second listen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it would have been wrong of Bruce to maybe put them higher up. Um, definitely. You know, no, they, they're exactly where they exactly, need to be. <laughs> you know, and, and even then, like you, you said, you know, we're the kind of guys who listen all the way to the end. And when you when you... You're you're pleasantly surprised when you hear Omega because you hear that up tempo uh, solo section. So it, it's something that you know took me off guard because I was expecting it to just be that slow song the whole way through. So it, it was really cool in that regards. So the next song is Arca Space. Um, it's another ballad, um, almost reflective to some degree when you listen to it. I really 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 like the Spanish guitar that they used in the solo. Uh, it, yeah, it gives acoustic a, guitars on uh, on a metal album. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah, it gives such a different feel to the song, and it, it's it's a cool cool way to, to kind of end the end the album, um, to have this kind of song in it. And it, so you know, you kind of know it's the end, but it has, it's like, it kind of gives you a cool vibe, I guess you could say, to end the album. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is a chem- 
sorry. I definitely feel that this is a companion piece to Omega. Like they belong together. Um, both of the final tracks are just beautiful. There's this, there's this, especially in this song, there's this like feeling of love with the, 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 uh, the vocals. Like it's, it's something like, it's almost like you're reaching out to somebody that's far away. Like there's this emotion that's poured into it that I really enjoy. And it's very surprising to me that this is one of my favorite songs of the album. The very last track. It's just, I I was so thoroughly impressed the first time I heard it. And even to this day, I still get the same vibes when I listen to it. I just, I just really like this track. Very cool. All right. So that brings that that's the end of the album. It's a, as a whole, like we mentioned before, you could sense that there's this this vibe of of um, a lack of cohesiveness, but at the same time, certain things like Omega and Arca Space they go together, and you can and you can feel them. Um, I really really like this album. I think it's really really cool. Um, it, it was really nice to hear Bruce being back and playing metal again. Um, so, what do you what do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, I was just so happy to hear Bruce doing what he does best, like knowing, especially that like this followed Skunk Works. Um, the experimentation creates like some really amazing tracks, like like I said with Omega and and Arc of Space, uh, and we get some some kind of maiden esque, maiden alike songs. So there's this you know hint like, hey, you know it's 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 possible we may get maiden back together um and there there yeah there's this lack of cohesiveness that i think it the album somewhat suffers from but at the same time it also makes me feel like i'm listening to a band in their infancy and it's a little bit raw and that's not a bad thing whatsoever i mean those early albums from any band have this rawness to them and while they're more refined because all these guys are, are musicians that have, have been doing their job for, you know, countless years, that is really interesting to hear a band that feels kind of raw, you know, at this stage of the game. You hit the nail so, on the head on that because I agree completely when you say something like when you get a new band and songs are all over the place because, you 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 know, if you when you get the band together, you get these songs you know i this guy wrote a song that guy wrote a song even though in this case it was all roy z and bruce except for the, the two adrian songs um there is that you know they could have been written at different times and all brought together when they recorded this album and mm-hmm. and and the band even though you know they they kind of knew each other they're still you know because of adrian they're still getting to know each other that way so yes yeah you could and the and the rawness is really cool too and that that's that's um kudos to roy for 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 making it feel that way in his production mm-hmm. absolutely okay so the next album that we're going to talk about is the chemical wedding uh came out a year later 1998 again all the same credits produced by Roy Z, recorded at Silver Cloud and Sound City Studios. This time it was released in the UK on Bruce's own label, Air Raid Records, which harkens back to when he got nicknamed the Air Raid Siren. And again, once again, in the United States, it was on CMC International. And the songs again were written by Bruce and Roy Z, except where otherwise noted. <laughs> All right, so you take over this time and, and start off the chemical wedding. All right. So it starts off with King and Cribson. And 
I have to say, like the my first reaction when I first heard this this track, it was just like, whoa, this is heavy. You know, like this mm-hmm. is this is heavier than anything that Bruce has put out before. Yep. And I loved it. Uh, I mean, it takes basically it takes like the heaviness of of Welcome to the Pit, but adds in the quality of everything else from Accident of Birth, and it it meshes it together to be this heavy, well written track that like I, I I'm not, and I'm not trying to 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 you know criticize Welcome to the Pit too much, uh, but I think it's it's one of those things like it took those elements and put them together into just a really kick-ass opener. And you even get like a little bit of a Bruce growl at the end. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, this is an awesome track. I, I feel like we're in store for a kick-ass album. Oh yeah. Um, that when you hit, when you hear that first down to note, I mean, I think it's like a B if you know, at least a C chord, if not a B, I mean, it's so low and it's so heavy and it rings out, and then all of a sudden it turns into that really, really cool riff, you're like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> that, you know you're in for a ride. And to know that it's the same band that was on Accident to Birth, okay? So, you know, it, you realize you're going to be on the same kind of adventure you were a year earlier with Accident to Birth. So you know that this album is going to be, you know, heavy, just like Accident was. So the the riff carries a song. I mean, the song is awesome. Uh, I mean, just to start off that way, you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a cool ride. So I like this song a lot. Oh, absolutely. And that takes us into Chemical Wedding. Uh, I mean, this <laughs> what a great song. The The chorus is so catchy. The riff is just killer. Uh, I I can't see like you're a monster if you don't love this track. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's a simple track, but at the same time, there's a lot of interesting effects going on. There's 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 some real intricacies going on behind the the riff. And if you if you listen to it, if you just like close your eyes, listen with headphones, and you're gonna hear things you never heard in this song. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool about it. And interestingly enough, too, there's a, a Phantom of the Opera kind of ripoff in this song, but it's not the Phantom of the Opera you might think be coming from Maiden. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber with the uh, with the guitar solo in here. So I I don't know if it's uh, if if it's one of those things like they got permission or whatever, but it's like straight out of Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> I didn't catch that because I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Phantom or not that I'm not a fan I just I'm not a fan like I don't I, I don't get into Broadway musicals so I, I'm not familiar with it um, I mean I know the one song that everybody else knows but um, yeah I mean Chemical Wedding is such a good song and it's not like it's a fast song or anything like that but just just the way it's structured and how they put everything together. The chorus is so catchy. Um, and then you got that guitar solo that is so melodic. It's so cool. I love this song. Mm. Um, there's, just, there's so much to like about it. And, and what you brought up about all the little things that you can hear in the background, that is a perfect example of a band that goes from their first album, per se, to their next album. And even though it's the same producer, now they know each other a little bit better 
And now they say, okay, you know what? Now we can add in a couple things here and there. Before, like you said, it was very raw. They were just going for it. And now they say, okay, now we have this this rapport. Now we're going to do just a little bit more. And that's those are the things that you catch throughout the album that it, they've, they've been able to do a little bit more because they know each other better. And that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. It's it's You can tell that the band has taken that time to really feel each other out, get to know each other, get to know the ins and outs of, of the you know each guy's uh, playing style, etc. And they've taken that and they've hit the next level. And that you can already tell that from the beginning. Um, so a lot of times, you know, there's that debate. Like, do you do you like the rawness of the album or do you like the more refined aspect of the album? So that's that's a very subjective aspect of, of listening to music. I mean, we all have our preferences. We all like what we like. These two albums, they complement each other extremely well. There's definite positives to each of them. So, I mean, it, it, it really boils down to you know, which direction do you want to go? But I, but what I find about this album that I love is that it's the next logical step, but it's, it's just a much more refined version of what you're getting from accident of birth. And that really shows like the next track, the tower, it kicks off with a very maiden-esque bass riff. Uh, the gallop is just so good. You know, it's just, it's just, like when I listen to it every time, even now, I'm just like, this just like gets me going. It's kicks ass. Um, I think like it, it complements the chorus really well, like the, the pacing, everything flows together. It's such a cool riff. It's such a cool chorus. Uh, I, it's it's one of the best songs on the album. It, it, it may be up right up there with Chemical Wedding. Oh, absolutely. I mean. The, the the baseline is killer. I love the baseline. Uh, absolutely right when you say it's very maiden esque, um, but at the same time you you can tell that it's not maiden. So that's the good part because you know yeah you know it's not it's not like rip off or no, anything right. like that. It's just it's just got that that upbeat gallop mm-hmm. from early maiden. Yeah, and the chorus on this is absolutely insane. It's killer. I love 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 the chorus on this. I mean the song is structured so well. And the guitar solos are really melodic, and Z and Adrian play so well off each other. It's such a cool song. I mean, from beginning to end, this song is absolutely great. You know, this this song is hands down my favorite song on the album, in my opinion. So, Oh, awesome. So, anyhow. All right. So that takes us to the killing floor, or just killing floor, not the... Um, <laughs> The, the, it's funny, you know. It's the the album's the Chemical Wedding, but they they cut out the the you know at the beginning of mm-hmm. it, and it seems to be kind of a trend, you know, with with some of the albums, uh, you know, with 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 uh, Bruce and with with Adrian. If you look through some of their history, like there's just there's this you know let's cut out that word for the title track. <laughs> I don't I don't get it, but um, so Killing Floor. It's it's you know it starts off with a nice heavy riff, but it kind of just it just feels like it just goes, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really hit anywhere high. It does, you know, it's just one of those, you know, it's all right. It's got this kind of odd medieval sounding bridge, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Like it, it, it kind of ties into later parts of the album in a way, but it also just to me kind of feels out of place. 
it, because yeah, it may tie in later, but I feel like those are kind of out of place too. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you felt about it, but it's, it's not one of my favorite tracks. I like now. killing floor. Uh, I, you know, the whole, the, the chorus when, you know, when they're, they're he's, basically calling out Satan. Um, I, I think the riff is awesome on this. The bass line, to me, grooves, and it complements the mm-hmm. riff really well in this song. Those two. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Like, there's that groove that, that you know, kind of carries over from Accident of Birth that works really Right, and well. this is another Bruce and Adrian song, so that's the other thing, too, about this song. It's got a very unique chorus with the whole the whole Satan thing on it. So it, it's... It's to me. It's a, I like the song. I mean, it's not necessarily my favorite song. Obviously, I just mentioned that the tower is my favorite song. But it, it to me, it's not one of my least favorites. I, I like this. It flow. I mean, t- it doesn't interrupt anything in terms of the flow of the album to me, because you you go into the next song and and I think they all just kind of flow well together. So, um, Killing Floor again, not the best song in the album, but to me, it's not the worst either. So it's it's right there in the middle, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's one important thing to note. Like you just said, it doesn't kill the flow. I don't think really any track on this album kills the flow. And I think that's one thing that I really like about this album is that you get a really cohesive album all the way through. There's, I mean, the elements of the 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 uh, lyrical content from the all the way to the you know the the style that it's being played in. Like there is a cohesiveness here. And you're already feeling it four tracks in. Um, so going into the next track, the the Book of Thel, um, I I this to me was like, here we go, let's go. Uh, you know, the track has a really nice building intro. Uh, it heads right into this just meaty riff. Um, the chorus is a really interesting one. It's it's a little different than kind of some of the the tracks as far as its its musical structure goes. Um, the like it's a really shreddy solo, which I like, you know, I've mentioned that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's got that, you know, Bruce chanting section that, you know, you could, you could get the whole crowd into the chanting at at a concert. And I, I believe they even use this multiple, you know, when they're in their live shows for that reason, just to, you know, like get the crowd into it. Uh, one, one other thing to note is that there is spoken words by Arthur Brown, one of, Bruce's idols on this track and then on track seven, one of the later ones. Uh, so he had actually brought in somebody who was his idol, uh, you know, getting into music, etc., to, you know, add that extra layer of emotion, you know, something that tied into his history, which I think is really cool. Something to note there. Yes. The Arthur Brown for, uh, some people who might be familiar with them, older guy, you know, I think uh, 60s and early 70s, uh, he had the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Um, so it, he was a big influence as well on Gene Simmons from Kiss. So that's that that that's that tie-in in there. He's he's a he was an inspiration to a lot of musicians in the 70s and, and early 80s. So that's that's pretty cool that that uh, Bruce was able to get him in there and do it. This song to me is awesome. Um, the quiet bluesy intro and that heavy riff that it goes into is super cool. I mean, and then that riff grooves. Um, to, this song to me is one of those examples that we talked about on, from, on Accident of Birth. It's structured so well. Um, you got a melodic verse. You got an extremely catchy chorus. The breakdown at the solo is super cool. 
you know, and followed by that chant that you were talking about. And then there's another guitar solo after the chant that leads into a kind of like a, a drum solo to some degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it's broken up into four parts, but um, it's, it's super cool because then it goes right back into the original verse. And that is, is the way I, I like it. It's just really neat how they do that. And then the song ends, or the musical portion of the song ends exactly the way the song started. So it's almost like listening to it, you know, like like a like a book match, a mirror image of the of the way the song is. I think that's really cool. And then it kind of blends out and it goes into Arthur Brown doing that spoken word passage. So that's really cool. I, I love the this song. This song is structured so well. It's I mean, it's hard to take away anything from it. And the other thing, too, is this song is written by Bruce and Eddie Casillas, the bass player. So that's another cool thing about this song. Yeah, and you hit something that I, I actually failed to note uh, because I did write it down, but I far- forgot to say it, was uh, that the, the drum section is so cool. Uh, that it Kind of like a drum solo that appears in it. It really shows off you know, even more of, of the band's skill. So I, I did really like that section as well. All right, so the next one is uh, Gates of Horizon. And it's a bit more slow and moody than the previous tracks, uh, but gives us a really nice breather, kind of like a chance to get our heart rate back down because it's been pumped up so much by Book of Thel. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's a good track, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of breather track. Yeah, I, I don't have too much to say about it. it it's got a heavy chorus, a uh, slow song with heavy chorus. Um, it's got a cool guitar solo, I'll tell you that. Um, but other than that, to me, it, it's, it, it definitely does what it's supposed to do. It's a, it's a filler track after a really good song just to kind of get you, you know, to slow down and, and take a breath before you go into your next few songs. So that that's that's definitely, this Gates of Horizon does the job it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that takes us into Jerusalem. Um, you know, it's another track incorporating the, the words of Arthur Brown, like I said before. Um, there's kind of that medieval kind of sounding tie-in. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. For me, like, this song doesn't do a whole lot to me or for me until about halfway through. Uh, when you hit the solo, the guitar solo is really nice. It's a sweeping, uh, you know, up and down solo that that I think there's a lot of emotion poured into it. Um, And I think that really helps, you know, pick up the pace and it's a it's a better song from that point. Um, But to me, this is one of the weaker tracks on the album. Um, What I came up with when I heard the song was that, you know, it's kind of folky sounding to some degree. Yes. You know, it's a ballad. Um, and that's when you say folky, like I think of because there's because of the instrumentation and the way it's done. That's what I'm kind of referring to when I say the medieval kind of theme. Okay, yeah, it's got that folky sound, but it's the instrumentation that takes it kind of in a different direction, almost than just pure folk. Right, exactly. So you know, it, and it has a mid-tempo chorus, so the tempo speeds up a little bit during the chorus, um, as opposed to when it was in the verse. Um, you know, and then most of the song, if you listen carefully, most of the song is played with kind of like a clean guitar, almost kind of, you know, you can think about it as being, you know, one of those acoustic guitars that kind of are also electric at the same time. It kind of sounds like that. It's not a, it's to me, it doesn't sound like, let's say a Stratocaster on clean, 
but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like an acoustic guitar either. So it's kind of weird. Um, but I could be wrong in that regards. Um, and again, I agree with you. The solo was just ripping. I, I, I like the solo a lot. I mean, the solo makes this whole song. Um, yes, And exactly. then the song ends. I, I want to say it, it sounds like a ukulele to me. Um, not necessarily played like a ukulele in terms of uh, a regular ukulele, but it's something like that. It, it doesn't have a, uh, it's not a regular guitar that's playing. Uh, and then yeah. it fades out into the spoken word passes by Arthur Brown again. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's thrown in there, but I, it, it's, it's got some good sections, but at the same time, it's, it's not my favorite song on the album by far. Yeah. Uh, so that takes us into Trumpets of Jericho. And uh, I think this is a really like pretty different track, but it's it's very interesting sounding, um, and it also takes us more back into the vibe of the early tracks in the album. So it's more tying into the the pacing, the vibe of you know uh, King of Crimson, Chemical Wedding, The Tower, you know that that kind of pacing. So I'm glad to be back there at this point in the album, and it, it, we don't feel that same kind of um, just kind of diving into experimentation and kind of petering off in kind of the same way that Accident of Birth did. Mm-hmm. I really like this track. It's really groovy. It's really sludgy. Um, and it's 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 much better version of what they did with Welcome to the Pit. Right, right, right. Um, Trump is a Jericho. I mean, it's got a killer riff. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, again, the one thing I could take out of all this from both albums, man, the choruses on all on most of these songs are so catchy. You know, yeah. it, that's that's what I love about most of these songs. Catchy choruses. Um, the solo in this is very atmospheric. Uh, it's slow and melodic, which is almost like a contrast to how the rest of the song is because the rest of the song is so up-tempo. So I like the solo a lot because it's, it's such a contrast. Uh, and then, oddly enough, a metal song fades out. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of an odd finish, but... Oh, it like it doesn't really matter because it's such a great track. Exactly. Um, track nine, Machine Men, uh, to me is probably even more so than than uh, Jerusalem. I think it's probably the weakest album on our weakest song on the album. Um, it's 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 heavier in tone than say anything that you find off of Accident of Birth, like because of the way it's recorded. But I really feel like this is this sounds like a leftover from the recordings of, of accident of birth. Like, like it's not from the recording, but maybe it was a song that was written around that time. Cause it just feels like one of the rejects from that, that album. It's the only, it's the only song that I'll say doesn't quite feel as cohesive with the rest of the album. Okay. I could, I could see that. Um, it's a Bruce and Adrian song. So, um, that that right there kind of leads into I as soon as I hear the song, I immediately felt that that intro riff lick was a maiden kind of riff lick. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first thing I caught when I heard the song. I'm like, oh, this is kind of maideny, you know. And then the chorus is so simple. I think that's what kind of takes away from the song because I think if you if it had a better chorus. This would be a better song if it is. If the I, chorus I can agree was as catchy that. as the rest of the songs, uh, 
it would be a better song. Um, I, I can agree with that for sure. It, it's it's something's missing here. Right. And then, you know, the Adrian solo goes in and, you know, it's a very Adrian Smith kind of solo. And then the second solo, another cool one, that definitely sounds like it could be a Roy Z solo. So the two of them on those on the solos are pretty cool there. The problem with me, the problem with this song for me is that it drags. It's a minute too long. I don't know what they were thinking to keep that thing going at the end there because I'm listening to yeah. it and I'm like, this has got another minute? Are you kidding me? I know what you mean there. You know, yeah. it, it, it was too long. And uh, it could have been a, it, just shortening it by a minute. You, you say, okay, it's over. You could live with it. But then it kept going. So that was part of the, 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 the thing that I didn't really dig about the song. But the rest of it was not too bad for me. Yeah. Well, that leads us to the final track on the album, which is The Alchemist. Uh, I think it's it's a good cap on the album because it ties in musically to many points throughout the album. Um, it, it's not a good standalone song in that way. Like it's it because of the way it's written, it's meant to musically uh, kind of call back all the some of the things that have happened throughout the album. Especially, you'll note uh, "Chemical Wedding" has a as a uh, a return you know in this song so um it's a tie-in it's nothing special in that way uh but as part of an album as part of a musical project it 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 makes sense yeah i i i agree with that um and it, it would have been like had chemical wedding been the first song then you know you got you got your little Rain, uh, not rainbow. You got your little bow tied at the end of you know beginning mm-hmm. and end, but that doesn't mean that chemical wedding is in the wrong place. Chemical wedding, the song is in the right place. Um, yeah, this song, you know, with it, it's a slow song, it builds to a mid tempo type of song. Um, the chorus, it's funny that you know because it does reprise um, or reprise chemical wedding at the end, but if you notice in the chorus throughout the song. There's one line in it that it's got the same melody, but it kind of cut, cuts it short as the melody to the chorus in Chemical Wedding. And so it, it, you kind of almost like you hear it and you're like, oh, did he steal that from his own song? And then you realize when you get to the end that he kind of then brings it full circle and then he goes into Chemical Wedding and then you go, oh, yeah, it all ties together. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that chorus, that one line, it's like half of the chorus that has the same exact melody, but he literally cuts it off by like a couple notes before you could say to yourself, is that a straight, you know, a straight copy or steal of his own chorus? But you, obviously as the, as it blends back into A Chemical Wedding, you realize that it's all part of the, the way it's written, so... Yeah, and I guess for me, I thought of it that way initially. So I, I felt like this was a this was a track that was trying to wrap up the themes of what was going on because, like, like I said, like look at the titles of the the tracks. Like you get a vibe that these are all cohesive. You listen to the the lyrical content. You you get a vibe that they're all cohesive. Listen to the instrumentation. Same thing. It's it is a cohesive album. You know, it's it's heavier and more cohesive than. Than accident of birth, 
I mean, I, I, I would say that, like, the ideas that they had in Accident of Birth, they've just taken them and run with them and kind of, like, stepped up in every capacity. Like, it's just, it's just one notch above as far as the refined aspect of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the lyrical, like, the lyrical content, like I said, is way more aligned, and the band feels like they're on the same page more. Um, there's less ex- experimentation than there was in the first album. Um, and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you never know, like had they continued rather than rejoining with Iron Maiden after this, um, you never know where that would have taken them. Like, would they have continued to put out the same kind of level of, of, of music? Um, or would things have, have kind of stagnated? You know, you don't know because, that experimentation, if you listen to a lot of other bands, like when they're, when they're experimenting, that, that can negatively affect the album uh, in, in it, like, like we said, in its cohesiveness and its refined aspect. But it also leads to, you know, what we got here with, with uh, Chemical Wedding. So um, I think, to me, I think it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those debates, like, do you like the, the raw aspect or do you like the, the uh, refined aspect? I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. And what's funny about it is like you, you get that first album rawness and you go to the second album and you get that little refined thing, what you're talking about. And you say that the experimentation was over. What, what I find cool about it is that Song-wise and and structure-wise, the experimentation kind of changed into what I would say more maturity where you didn't have to experiment so much. Because I think the experimentation was more about feeling out the band and Mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't work. But we put all these songs together, which which are the ones that work and don't work. And I think they were able to refine it and put it on Chemical Wedding. So instead of experimenting with... The songs, Roy Z was able to experiment more with the production, and was yeah. able to add elements that weren't there on the on accident, but they were there on chemical. You know, and, and there was more there was more depth to the songs in terms of production than on the first album because the first album was much more raw. Uh, with this one, is you could definitely tell it's produced. You can definitely tell that there's more layers to it than there was uh, on accident. So yeah, so it, it was a kind of different ex- experimentation. Yeah. And and I think this is a really great comparison between these two albums because like you mentioned earlier, this is the same band that appeared on both albums. And it feels like a band. It feels like, yeah, it's Bruce Dickinson's solo project. But because we have the same people working together, you can see an, a a a general theme you can see that this band has improved from the last album in certain aspects you feel like they're a band you don't feel like it's just bruce and his guys right you know? exactly. because if you compare this album to say tyranny of souls you have a little bit different lineup um it, you know it's it's not quite the same and in the number of years between the the, the albums so that's a whole different experiment at that point. Um, but I would say this feels like a band. And, this, and just to kind of give you a note there, this is the same band that recorded Balls to Picasso. But uh, the band back then was the Tribe of Gypsies. And basically, 
Bruce stole them. He's mm. like, hey, I want you guys to be my band. And literally the band of gypsies said, or the tribe of gypsies, like, okay. You know, and so they became his band. But then on Skunk Works, he, he just went sideways, you know. So 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 Eddie Yeah, but but with Balls to Picasso, you also had more members of the band yes. that that don't appear here. Mm-hmm. So it's more it's more, you know, um tight. And you also right. have Adrian Smith, right, which exactly. is a huge difference. Oh, that's so that's enormous. Right there. And it's also metal, and that was a hard rock album. Right. And that, <laughs> exactly. And that's my disappointment with Tyranny of Souls. I wish Tyranny of Souls could, be, could have been done by the same band, including Adrian. You know, and if but, they couldn't have know, Adrian, I would have liked to, it to be at least Dave and Eddie Casillas, you know. But it's a seven-year difference, too. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just Bruce needing to do his thing. So, to me, it's like he, he still worked with Roy Z. He has that chemistry there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a different album. Yeah, it is definitely different. And that's kind of, so that, that's where my disappointment is, is I wish, I just wish that because it almost feels like, even though they're, they're, they're not, uh, concept albums, it almost feels like a trilogy of albums. And that, that third one should have been done by the same band. And, but that's just something I wish, you know, not to me. a degree. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. It does feel like a little bit of a trilogy and maybe it was in the mind of Bruce, but I mean, you have to think of it in the aspect of seven years for any musician or artist, et cetera. They're in a different place than they were, you know, when when they they were, you know, recording something seven years ago. You mean like the fifteen so, years apart in Guns and Roses? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you even want to call that Chinese democracy anything close to Guns and Roses, because it's no. it's not. Um, but. Uh, you know, it's it's Axl Rose's solo project, but whatever. Um, but no, I mean, this this is a, a moment in time, you know, it, and that, that's what I'm saying when I when I say I wonder what would have happened going forward if they had continued on and and they hadn't, you know, Adrian and and uh, Bruce hadn't rejoined Iron Maiden. Right. So we would we have gotten the same kind of, um, you know, releases going forward. Um, but that being said, um, I got to ask you, what do you, what do you choose? Like, which one is your favorite? All right. So I mentioned to you that I, I really liked one album and then listening to the next album or, or the other album, I changed my opinion. So when I, when I went into this, my opinion was that Accident of Birth was a better album, but after listening to everything, and realizing the cohesiveness of Chemical Wedding, to me, Chemical Wedding overall has more better songs. You know, proper English there. Um, well, I mean, technically, it was right. It proper is. It English sounds because you're not you're not saying it's like a a, a better mo better mo saying, better mo better. <laughs> you're saying it has a larger number of better songs. Right. It, it had more. <laughs> better songs than Accident of Birth. Even though there's several good songs in Accident of Birth, um, it, to me, it just ended up, Chemical Wedding, to me, just ended up being uh, a better album overall. Um, and then I like the songs on there. So, yeah, my opinion changed from Accident to um, Chemical Wedding. And and to, to, to mention something real here, the guys that, that um, used to do Talking Maiden... 
they had said that at one point that their favorite of the three were Chemical Wedding. And I said, man, no way. Accident of Birth is better. You know, this is me yelling at them through my radio on, you know, driving in the car to work. And now doing this show all, you know, a, a year later and listening to it, the, this these albums the past week that we've listened to them, I've realized why they said that, you know, that long ago. I, to my opinion is Chemical Weddings is the better album. And I'm actually in agreement with you this week. Um, to me, I, I always loved Accident of Birth, uh, but when I heard Chemical Wedding, it just that, you know, I've always mentioned that I like heavier music. And I think the typically I, I end up liking more raw albums than I like the refined, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of mentioned that in the past. But there's something special about this album where – you know this yeah it's more raw with accident of birth but these are these are musicians that have been playing for countless years i mentioned that several times before so it's not the same as say like metallica's kill em all versus you know uh, uh you know uh, the black album it's not the same you know this is this is you know they they have really refined something in a year They've gone from being a band that was trying to figure each other out to putting together a masterpiece. And that's what I would say this is. Like, this this is a five out of five album for me. Oh, I, I, I agree. And, and the, the funny thing about it is that as, as refined as you say it is, um, it's still so heavy. Yeah. And, and there, it, it's not because you say refined and it's the the difference is it's not a slick production no it's not a slick production but what i'm saying by refined is you you take a band that's that's got some great ideas but they're not 100% fleshed out but you're taking it and you're recognizing these are our strong points this is what we we do well you know let's focus on all these things and then we're going to add more uh more flesh to it more more meat to it like there's Mm -hmm. there's just so much complexity behind the scenes of what you're listening to and like you said like the production is where they experimented this time rather than the experimentation of musical styles or whatever right so like they knew what they were doing at this point like they knew this is the sound we're going for let's let's take it a little further let's let's clean it up but not get so slick that it just sounds you know canned manufactured exactly it's a damn good album it is it's a very good album okay after all was said and done and we've listened to uh, listened to these albums and we put our opinion down we've come to the agreement very few times that we do we agree that <laughs> chemical wedding is the best the better of the two albums give it a listen i mean if you haven't already heard it out there Give it a listen. This album is awesome. And that's not to take anything away from Accident of Birth because Accident of Birth, if if Chemical Wedding is a five out of five, Accident is four out of five or four and a half out of five. It's They're both extremely good. And if we're talking about the trilogy, I'm still of the opinion that Tyranny of Souls would be number three out of these three albums. But that doesn't take away from Tyranny of Souls because that's also a very good album. That's probably a four out of five album as well. But I think accident of birth is a little bit ahead of that so anyhow that's our main segment for this week chemical wedding is the winner so that brings us to our big four tonight 
and that is going to be the big four Bruce Dickinson solo songs. And he's got a, he, he was pretty prolific there in the nineties. He has a lot of songs out there and that one album that came out in 2005. So, uh, you want me to go first or you want to go first? Go ahead. All right. I will go first. Okay. So number four for me, as we just mentioned in 2005, Bruce Dickinson came out with Tyranny of Souls. I'm going to go with the song Abduction. That's off of Tyranny of Souls. That's my number four song. It's, to me, the best song on Tyranny of Souls. Somebody, if you want, change my opinion, but that's my opinion. Okay. Um, I really like that song. Um, I thought there were some elements of other songs that were, that were better, but as a whole, Abduction takes it for me, number four. Number three, Silver Wings off of the best of Bruce Dickinson. That song is super cool because there's a lot of elements that are Iron Maiden and there's a lot of elements that are Bruce Dickinson. Um, I thought at first that the song was recorded with Adrian Smith, but it was not. As far as I, as far as I can understand or see, it was just Roy Z and Bruce and 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 uh, Eddie and um, Dave. But the guitar solo and the guitar playing on that song is outstanding. And it all lyrically, it's all about another British fighter pilot flying over Germany in World War II. So it was Bruce and his element, and it's a killer song. If you haven't heard it, pick up the best of, and you'll check it out. Number two. Now this was this was a hard one because I had so many songs that I I wanted to throw in there, but it came down to the Tower from a Chemical Wedding, uh, or from Chemical Wedding. That song just to me, hands down, best song in the album. It's got the killer cat chorus, killer groove on it. Love that song, number two, and number one, hands down for me, my favorite Bruce Dickinson solo song, Road to Hell off of Accident of Birth. It's just a great song. Wow. Um, we have a lot of crossover. Do we? Um, yeah. So my number four is Abduction off of Tyranny of Souls. Wow. I, I, I'm I a big fan of that album. I think it's a good album. Um, I know it's a different band, so it does feel different, but it's a really heavy album, and I, I really enjoy it. And Abduction is by far the best song on the album. Um, then number three, I've got Road to Hell from Accident of Birth. Uh, so you're number one. I uh, I think it's a kick-ass song. It's really uh, you know catchy. It's recognizable, uh, but it's got more elements than just being catchy. Like it's it's just a really good track. You know, it's it it's got a great solo, etc. So uh, for me, that's number three. Uh, number two is the Tower off of Chemical Wedding. Um, you know, same reasons you mentioned. It's you know it's one of if not my favorite. It's just it it's a little bit like I'm in, I'm in a power struggle between it and one other song off of that album. And, uh, that is my number one, which is chemical wedding. Um, I think it's one of the first tracks that really grabbed me and I just, I just kept listening to it. I like, I, I liked the opening track off the album. Uh, but when I listened to this one, I put it on repeat and then I got to the tower and I was like, dang, I wish it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I just kept repeating the, the, the second track. But yeah, like this, you know, oh, so you, that's, you fell that's, into my trap where you don't get past the second or third song. <laughs> I mean, I did like when I was, especially when I was younger, I would listen to an album for a month at a time, you know, just really 
learning everything about it. Um, but uh, back then, it would sometimes take me a little bit, bit to get through the whole album. <laughs> so that's our big four for tonight. Um, I did want to ask you, though, have you ever heard Silver Wings? Uh, I have heard it. I have. I actually have Bruce's entire discography. I, I went. It was one of those... Um, one, he's one of those guys, you know, Iron Maiden was the same way that I went out of my way to pick up every single, every, you know, everything that I could get. So, yes, I have heard it, and it's an awesome song. All right, cool. I, I didn't know if you had heard it or not. But, yes, cool, very cool. All right, well, that's our show. Chris, take us out. All right, so not only did we pick the same album this week, but we actually had some pretty heavy overlap. Uh, so next week, let's let's uh, let's try to be more at odds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, remember, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to check us out on social media and leave us a comment. Make sure to tune in to the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya.